Nowadays, the customer is so hip and savvy, they can smell when someone's being inauthentic. They can smell the pitch if it's hidden behind a veil of fake and feigned affection. You hear all the bull about marketing every day. Make your money in your sleep. My new offer is crushing it. My guru could beat up your guru. It's time to go right to the source and get the truth about marketing. With your host, the founder of CopyChief.com, Kevin Rogers. Hey, welcome back to The Truth About Marketing. It's Kevin Rogers. Special guest today, Sasha Lala is on the line with me, and you're going to love this discussion. All month, we've been doing Amazing Women of Marketing, and I love that it is culminating with Sasha here because Sasha is a feminine leadership expert. And let me tell you, if you're a guy right now and you just reached for the next uh, button, don't do it. Because what Sasha teaches is really important for all marketers. She's going to explain to you how the way marketing is evolving is very much a feminine ideal. You know, this I talk all the time about how this old idea of forcing people or manipulating people into taking action on your stuff is gone. It's going away. It's only going to go away more. And just in this little, little pre-interview talking to Sasha, so many light bulbs went off in my head to understand that what we really want, the way uh, we're communicating more effectively, has a lot to do with femininity. So, Sasha, thank you so much for being here. I'm thrilled to have you on today. Thanks for having me. Thrilled to be here. So tell me a little bit about how does one become a feminine leadership expert? Gosh, that's a great question. How does one become a feminine leadership expert? Well, the first thing I can say is uh, definitely being a student of uh, transformation and personal development. Absolutely. And also somebody would become that for me personally, after having a degree in psychology and spending a lot of my corporate time being surrounded by men in the industry, but knowing that there was a burning desire in my heart to be an entrepreneur, I noticed a natural inclination of wanting to see other women like myself rise up. And so through my own meanderings of, you know, various entrepreneurial endeavors, I think I tried being an entrepreneur three times before I got it right. Mm. I finally realized that what I'm, you know, what my purpose and right now, what my mission on the planet is, is to be a trampoline for other women to fulfill their dreams. And for me, there's no better way to fulfill your dreams than being an entrepreneur. That's great. Yeah. I'd love to hear, like, uh, that's funny, you know, you persevered. What does it mean to try and fail to become an entrepreneur? Did you just get pulled back into the, the security of the corporate world or? Oh, yeah. So the first time I became an entrepreneur, I was in a university and uh, I grew up in a family of my parents were entrepreneurs and, you know, they did instill in me that to go out and do what it is that you love. But when you're in university and money is being made uh, in all these fun and interesting ways, it's it's very hard. But I knew that there was something in my heart. I tried being an entrepreneur, was an event planner for over two years. And that was very, very interesting because I loved planning events. And, you know, I was had the contracts for some of the big universities here in Toronto. But what I learned is what you love to do isn't necessarily what you should be doing. Mm. because it was very much in my zone of excellence, but it wasn't fun to do as a full-time job. It was fun to plan for friends, but not as a full-time job. And so my passion for that fizzled out very soon. The second time I was a adventure travel consultant and uh, I took that business and rocked with that because I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to take people on epic adventures. 
And that endeavor cost me about $30,000 in (laughs) personal consumer debt. And (laughs) when you get a blow between not being able to trust your heart, and then you get a blow, the second blow of, man, you just do not have what it takes. The corporate world and easy money sounds pretty good. (laughs) And then I did that for five years because I just convinced myself that being an entrepreneur wasn't in the cards for me. Interesting. I just, I didn't have it. What kind of corporate work were you doing? I was a director of sales and marketing for a national company. And I started off in sales, but then I eventually got promoted to being a sort of a division manager. And my job was to schmooze with CEOs and big, you know, owners of companies to get them to find out about our company. And so I was a professional schmoozer, which was awesome. You know, I had the pencil skirt, the corner office, but there came a point in time five years in when I was sitting at my desk watching the clock and realized that I was prostituting myself for a paycheck Mm. because it wasn't where I was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. I bet a lot of people can relate to that feeling. So what then, how did it finally come together for you? So then I, what I did, I took the next year and I was like, okay, I know I want to be an entrepreneur. And I'd, I'd been hearing the whisperings and I started to build my business on the side. And I started to put myself out there as a women empowerment coach and started picking up small clients and doing little workshops and little online programs. And within, I'd say, a year and a half, it got to the point where my online business was flourishing and I had to make a choice. I couldn't do both. And so I left my corporate career to pursue a full-time entrepreneurial endeavor. Cool. What's it like for a woman in the corporate world? You say you worked with like 99% men. I mean, men, uh, white men, (laughs) which is a lot of entrepreneurs, let's call it out. They have no idea. I, you know, I was just telling Marie Forleo on another amazing interview I had today that, you know, we were talking about how 10 years ago, you'd go to these seminars or marketing conferences. There's no women. There's very few women, right? And that's blossomed and you see all these amazing women. But, you know, white dudes don't know what it's like to, to feel that and to have people talking these conversations around you where it's like, am I not even here? Like, would you really, would you say this in front of your wife, right? (laughs) It's like, so what is it like to have to exist in that world? You know, on one hand, I was lucky and not so lucky. So this was still a corporate environment. And I don't know if it's Canadian culture, but I, I never was at the effect of any overt rudeness or anything that I can say was creepy or weird. Mm -hmm. What I did have to deal with was being definitely 99% of these men were not only Caucasian, but they were probably old enough to be my father or a grandfather. And so being a woman of color with the red streaks in my hair, and at that time I had a tongue piercing, the biggest challenge was to gain their listening and earn their respect because they had no reason to give me the time of of day. And one of the best most brilliant lessons I learned with them in that time was to not fight their prejudice or point of view about me because they're allowed to have it and they're going to have it regardless and instead dance with it. So almost every, I did a lot of talks and I had a lot of moments where I had to speak in front of groups, these groups of men and whole team meetings for a company. And the first thing I'd always say when I got up on stage was, listen, I know you have no reason to listen to me. I'm half your age. I've got red streaks in my hair. I've got a tongue piercing. And for all you're concerned about, I might as well be some punk kid standing in front of you. You're old enough to be my father and grandfather. And in no way, shape or form am I here to teach you something that you don't already know. So already I was already speaking the concern and prejudice Mm -hmm. so that I could disappear it and say, I know what you're thinking and I'm still here. And then I would tell them I'm an expert in building relationships. 
And the relationship is what you're going to need to build your business. And in that arena, here's what I have to offer. And with that, I always won them over. That is so cool. Was that something you finally came to out of frustration of like trying to give these presentations and feeling like, you know, you're nobody's even paying attention? I think the way it came about was, you know, I had my superiors at the time and they they would be telling me what some of the concerns were. Mm. And so, you know, they would say like, you know, make sure when you go up on the front, you don't say certain things. You be super professional. This is what they want to hear from you. And it wasn't working. (laughs) I could see the like vacant faces (laughs) of people listening to me, rolling their eyes, checking their blackberries at the time. And it actually got to a point where I was speaking in front of a group in Vancouver, BC. And I was just like, I haven't, I've had enough. I'm tired of listening to other people. This doesn't feel right. I'm just going to go up there and be straight. And I just gave myself permission to, you know, swing full out. And I'm like, at the end of the day, what was the worst that was going to happen? They were just not going to listen to me like all the other groups. But that was the, for me, like the tipping point, because the energy in the room and how the men perked up and how I was able to be received, that was a complete shift to anything I would experience before. And that was when I was like, you know, there might be superiors who think they know better, but I got to trust my gut and my intuition about how to deal with people because that's actually is my area of expertise. Right. Yeah, very good. That's what your position you were in too, right? Yeah. Was, you know, help people ingratiate into this this company. Absolutely. That's a great story. So so let's talk about, you know, marketing today. You know, like you pointed out, and I've, you know, I'm always conscious of the evolution in marketing is, you know, authenticity, transparency, a genuine, you know, speak, you know, mission statements and all that corporate crap. That's kind of been dead for a while. But this whole idea of people like using authenticity as a marketing tool, you know, you can't fake it. It should be instinctive to understand <laughs> that you can't fake authenticity, but I think we both see it <laughs> happening all yeah. the time, right? Oh, totally. So, totally. but what if somebody doesn't want to bear their soul either? Like, where, where's the middle ground there? So I'm a person of extremes. I don't believe in middle ground. Mm. I'm just going to be straight up. The consumer nowadays, the customer is so hip and savvy. They can smell when someone's being inauthentic. They can smell the pitch if it's hidden behind a veil of fake and feigned affection. Maybe a few years ago, you could kind of get away with these words like, but now authenticity, everybody's using that word. Right. Everybody is. And vulnerability, everyone's using that word. And so there's been so many scams and so many people have been duped. And with the internet and the proliferation of information, customers, and I'm, I'm especially for people who are, you know, listening to you and what you're offering, they're providing business to a very, very smart clientele. And that clientele I don't think doing the, I'm going to only share a little bit works anymore. You're either all in and you're doing pure, like act now and you'll get this kind of shtick. Mm -hmm. That's now for some people, mostly stuck (laughs) (laughs) or, or you have to be willing is this is a new frontier of entrepreneurialism, bearing your soul, sharing your heart Mm -hmm. and bringing your guts to the surface. And if it's not terrifying, then in my mind, you're not doing it right. Yeah, great. Interesting. So how does this apply to, since you come from the corporate world, because, you know, I always talk about how as entrepreneurs, we have this unfair advantage over our much bigger budgeted competitors in that we get to be real and authentic and 
go immediately to market with a new message, right? It doesn't have to pass through legal. I mean, it should be compliant, obviously, but, you know, in a corporate structure, you've got a committee for the committee to decide when the committee meeting should be, right? And so things take forever and we get to just move on the fly. But, sure. So, you know, what do you see corporations doing to be, you know, transparent and, and real? Oh, I see. To me, if anything, the corporations are, at least the ones that I admire and respect, are doing it in huge ways already. If you look at the way Google does business, GoDaddy, Zappos, they're bringing you behind the scenes. Come take a tour of our office. Come check it out. They're caring about the customer service experience. They're sharing stories of their independent employees and letting you get to know the family that is our company. That is their way of employing this sharing, transparent, and vulnerability that before never would have happened in the, you know, really uptight, buttoned up way of doing business. It's way more casual. It's way more lax. It's like, hey, I'm just like you. Here's me snowboarding. It has nothing to do with my business but I'm still showing you that I'm just like you. So a lot of these big companies that we respect and admire, even the way in which they write their emails when you get a new subscriber or, you know, how they follow up, spend tons of money to follow up for I'm their client. The amount of money I see that Zappos, GoDaddy in my experience, like other huge companies to follow up on how am I feeling? Mm. How was my experience? Did we do a good job? I will pay. And most people I've spoken to will pay more money for that now. Mm, yeah. We don't want the free thing. Mm. We want to know that we're heard, understood, and cared for. That's exactly right. Yeah. Very, very interesting. And guess what? It costs a lot less <laughs> as yeah. a company to, to care. You don't, you don't have to bribe people. You totally. just have to actually, wait a minute, treat them like human beings. What a crazy yeah. concept. Yeah. I always, you know, women I work with and even for myself, if I'm not writing as if I'm like the the person is sitting on my couch having tea with me, then it's not going to land. That has been, I say, a lot of the, there's been a much more casual way in which these businesses are speaking and writing. And that makes them more relatable, which makes the individual, myself or the client feel like, wow, they, they get me. They really feel gotten. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's true. Again, across gender here, it's this is not like a, a men or women separation no, yeah. thing. This is how everybody wants to be treated. Talk to me about this idea that the way things are going is sort of a feminine ideal. It comes from, you know, ancient times of, of how <laughs> we feel nurtured and how we treat totally. uh, you know, the, the family structure and all these things. Yeah. And, you know, when I say feminine, you know, a lot of people think that means female or woman. And we all have feminine and masculine energy in us. Mm. There's aspects of which I turn on my masculine and I'm like targeting bullseyes and producing results and being a high performer. And there's also times when men and women are in their feminine, when they're being nurturing, caring, being in flow and all those other things. And I'm, I'm doing a very shortcut version of, right. of explaining, but it, mm. I'm saying that to know for all the men listening that you have feminine within you and all the women listening, they have masculine in them. But this feminine model, if you think about ancient times, the feminine that tends to be mostly in women, more pronounced in women, is this nurturing, bringing together, caring. There's much more of a sharing energy. If you think about women talking, what they will get to talk about in an hour of spending time together is very different than sometimes a lot of men will get to. I'll already know, you know, 
what's happening in her marriage, what's going on with her kids, where she's feeling insecure, where she's feeling sad. And if I think about when some, my husband goes with his guy friends, they may not even talk about that sometimes, yeah. depending on the group he's with. Yeah. And yeah, so I'm just and- laughing because my, <laughs> I'll tell my wife, I saw somebody at the store, right? And then she'll say, oh, how's, you know, their recently <laughs> sick child doing or something, right? And I'll go, I don't know. Like, you yeah. know, and she's like, you didn't ask. I'm like, no, like it didn't even cross my mind. Not that I don't care, but that's not, we communicate differently. Yeah. You could totally be my husband. I, he'll be <laughs> out with his friends. I'll be like, so how, like, are they going through like a bit of a rough patch with his wife? How's that going? And he's like, oh, they are. I had no clue. And I'm like, but he's your friend. Like, how is it that you all, I found this out while you went to the bathroom last night. How you just spent the whole afternoon with him. Right, right, exactly. You know, and you know, I'm not saying all men are like this or all groups that get together, guys get together, like, or I'm not saying that I don't want to, you know, in any way pigeonhole anything at all. But that is what I'm talking about, where women tend to be more community oriented. You can take any woman, and I've done this in all the talks, I've talked to like thousands of people in person and on stage. And I've had, I've asked this question, if a woman is in a room and there's a social setting, some sort of party, and I go and I ask them, can you be able to pick out if there's somebody in the corner of the room that's feeling uncomfortable or left out, do you think you'd be able to tell who that person is? And never have I been to an audience where a woman didn't put up her hand. Mm. I've been married to my husband for five years. Love him. He's super evolved and super conscious. And there are times that he doesn't even know if I'm having a bad day. <laughs> so, and I, and, and this is not to dismiss him at all. Yeah, it's just yeah, a very different right. attunement he mm-hmm. has in regards to reading emotions and feelings and people. Mm-hmm. And so this ability we as women have that's in our DNA on such a natural level is the way in which business and marketing and copywriting is going because nobody wants the free thing. Nobody wants the extra special. Yes, the discount is working. And yes, maybe if you add some bonus features, it's great. But they most, if not all, and I can't say that because I haven't interviewed everyone, but almost everyone I've gone to or I know about, they want to do business with the human being, because that's who they're doing business with, not a business. It's always a human being. They want to do business with that human being that they trust and feel safe with. And that is a very, very, very feminine experience. Wow. That is a little breakthrough for me. You know, I had not really thought of it in in that context. So I appreciate that. I think that's super valuable for everybody to understand. And again, even if like this all feels a little touchy-feely for you and you're still (laughs) listening, (laughs) then you need to understand feeling is what we're talking about. And you always hear this, you know, in copywriting, we say you have to, people buy on emotion and then it needs to be backed up with logic. You need both things. And if you want to know what it means to speak emotionally and help people feel emotionally excited about what you have to offer them, this is what you need to understand. And it doesn't stop with the sale. As Sasha pointed out, it's what's the follow-up? Don't disappear after you have this like great conversation. It's like, you go to a party and you meet someone and you bond on some topic and you're like, have this amazing exchange for 10 minutes and then you separate and then you run into each other later and you like, don't even look them in the eye. You're like, <laughs> yeah. right. It's like, what happened? That person was so cool a minute ago, you know? So don't yeah. be weird. You know, it's just like, you know, customers are not data points. They're people. How would you want your mother, your sister, your brother, anyone you care about to be treated by a company you recommended? Right. You'd want them to make you proud for recommending them. And it's good for business. Like 
somebody you interact, even if they buy your product, and so you got sort of what you wanted, you got them to buy, to create a level of loyalty and groupies and fans, people who no matter what will follow you to the end of the earth because they so believe in what you offer, especially for online internet marketers, it's never just the one sale, right? It's an ongoing list of people who you give a crap about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That should be the name of, there should be a new like email software, right? It's called your, your give a crap list, you know? Yeah. Otherwise you just come across like a putz and people just feel used, yeah, you know, right. like you just took what you wanted and, and, and you know, but I thought it was great. Yeah. And like you say, it, people smell it a mile away more and more all the time. We talk about short attention spans, but you know, it's, if you're not connecting emotionally and you're not being sincere, that's when the attention span gets even shorter than it already is. So Yeah. Totally. Sasha, this has been so great. Let's get to the big question of the show. Yes. Uh, What is, Sasha Lala, the one thing you've done in your marketing that produced the most surprising results? The one thing in my marketing that produced the most surprising results would have to be sharing my garbage publicly. It sounds crazy, but when I first started, I was doing the let me, you know, sound great and transformed and like I've got it under control and everything okay. And it was okay. The work, the business was trickling in. The moment I started sharing about the fight that my husband and I had and how I freaked out and threw wine on the ceiling or the time, (laughs) that's a whole blog post, or the time when, you know, I'm sitting there crumpled in the fetal position crying on New Year's Day. Those When I started sharing that, the amount of business and following I got exploded because what I realized, which I didn't know until I actually had hit send on those things, was people didn't want me to teach them. They didn't want to hear that I'm teaching them. They wanted to hear that I am them. And that has made all the difference. And so for me, the way I know my pulse is always bang on with my business is If I'm writing something, I make sure I'm always a little bit scared to hit send or publish or post because those ones are always the ones that I get the biggest response from. And that I did not expect. And nobody I've ever, when I was starting out my business and learning, was saying that. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Great answer. Love that. One of my favorite yet. I love that, that you realized that they didn't want you to teach them. They wanted you to prove that you were them so that they could really relate on a deep level. Awesome. Sasha, this has been so great. I really appreciate you being on the show today. Help me help all these people that I'm sure are feeling a a huge resonance with you right now. (laughs) (laughs) What do they do? How do they get into your world? So they can definitely come check me out on my website, www.sashalala.com. And that's Sasha, S-A-C-H-A-L-A-L-L-A.com. But for the ladies specifically, because I love my ladies, um, I do have a gift for them that I'd love to offer, if that's okay with you. Yeah, I love it. Um, And so I I have this program called Own Your Power, Magic and Beauty. And it's a total free offering I'd love to give to your listeners. And they can check that out at www.sashalala.com slash own your special offer. Own your special offer. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. I'll make sure that that specific link gets put in the show notes here and love the work you're doing. Love Thank the wisdom you. you laid on us today. Super huge. And I'm going to go right now and read not only how the wine got on the ceiling, <laughs> but how you get wine off of a ceiling. 
I guess you have to paint it. Very carefully, yes, absolutely. <laughs> have to paint it. That's the only way. Sasha, thank you so much. It's great knowing you and appreciate it. Talk soon. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Truth About Marketing podcast. If you like this show and you think other people would like this show, the best way to spread the word is by reviewing and rating the show in iTunes. Just log in, click review, leave a big old fat five-star review, and let everybody know that you dig the show so that they can dig it too. To get all the links and resources we mentioned on today's episode, please go to copychief.com forward slash TAM, as in truth about marketing. And if you'd like to learn more about how you can improve your sales copy with uh, templates, formulas, coaching, feedback, or hiring a pro, Do all that on the inside of the members area of copychief.com and I will look for you there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.